listening to the Dynasty Rewind. Welcome back to the Dynasty Rewind, everybody. I'm your host, Michael Bauer. Joining me today, live and in person, in Canton, Ohio, my co-host, Garrett Price. How you doing, Garrett? Good, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. So it's a two-man show today. Shevin's got some work on a Saturday. What's up with that? You know, he's got that YMCA gig. I guess he's like trying to be a good like mentor for kids or something like that. I don't know. Well, maybe he should be a better mentor for the people that listen to this podcast. There you go. <laughs> I'll let them know next time I talk to them. So for those of you who don't know, Garrett and I and Chevin, of course, have been doing this show. This is our ninth episode. This is actually the first time that Garrett and I have met each other. And as of right now, our internet's still working good. So hopefully <laughs> we can go through smoothly with this. Um, so Garrett and I, like I said, with Chevin, have been doing this for a while. Finally got to meet each other today. How you doing today, Garrett? Everything's good? Dude, it was good. It was a good chance to, to get to hang out. Uh, get to uh, talk about things other than fantasy football because normally, you know, we only have limited time or we're on Twitter or, you know, whatever. And so, you know, we're just talking about players and breakouts and sleepers and all this stuff. And so uh, tonight or today we just got a chance to, to grab some grub, some Italian, some Italian food, grab a cannoli and uh, talk about uh, talk about whatever. So it didn't have to be fantasy football. So that was pretty fun. And he is as nice in person as he is on Twitter, everybody. <laughs> um, so we'll just get into it then. In the news, there's really not much. Just one thing. Um, this show's favorite P word, Tyreek Hill. <laughs> it looks like he's facing a maximum four-game suspension. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Garrett? I, I think I've said my piece on Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I mean, if if you bought him a while ago, I mean, congrats. You... Uh, obviously uh, way underpaid, and so uh, that's a great, great value for your team. Uh, the hard part for me is, and, and this is no judgment to anyone that, that's going out and buying him, because a lot of people, and rightfully so, look at fantasy football players more like stocks or um, you know something like that. And so I get that you're just trying to get the production out of him um, for a decent price. But for me, uh, I, I sometimes have a hard time being able to remove the fan aspect of it. Uh, and so I am going to be watching most of these games. Uh, and I don't want to I don't want to have to cheer for him. I know there are plenty of other players that have done uh, horrible things um, in the league as well that, um, you know, you don't necessarily want to cheer for. And so I'm not going through necessarily and like trying to single out everybody that maybe had one sketchy thing in their past. We all deserve second chances. We all uh, deserve an opportunity for redemption, but uh, he has he has a long history of, of some of this type of stuff, and so I can't get behind it. Um, so I, I don't own him on any team. Uh, but if but if you have him and and you're able to to get past that, then you have a great value for your team. Yeah, I'm out on Tyreek. I I just can't look past it because there's also a human aspect to the game too. So, yeah, and I could never do something like that um, to my daughter. But, Garrett, do you have a price check for us this week? Yeah, I do. Um, so a lot of times I look at players, uh, specific players, or even uh, groupings of, of players. Um, today I want to talk, though, about specifically the 2020 draft. Uh, the price on specifically these 2020 first-round players has 
gotten really kind of out of control, to be honest. And and it's partly us as analysts' fault. You know, we've been looking ahead, and I love Devi just as much, and if not, probably more than the next guy. Um, and so we're we're telling you about all of these these dynamic running backs that are coming in, and all of these elite receivers. And you know, there's there's a lot of good things to like about about this class, but. Let's not get it twisted. Not every single receiver that's going to be taken in the first round is going to become OBJ. Not every running back selected in the first round is going to become Saquon Barkley. Um, and chances are none of them will end up hitting either one of those thresholds. Um, I do think there's a lot of good players, a lot of players that could be uh, eventual top 10 players at their given position. And so it is an incredible draft class. But let's not pay a price tag to assume that they're already there. There's a lot that could still happen between then and now. Injuries could happen, um, you know, bad off seasons, uh, bad play during the season. There's a lot of – I mean, last year, if you were to do that for the 2019 class, you were probably buying a lot of Bryce Love, and you lost a lot of equity on Bryce Love if that was the case, and you were hoping to get him in the first round. You know, so that type of concept. So let's let's not go too crazy. I've seen some trades. There was a dude posted it, and granted, most people aren't, their trades are not this ridiculous. This is honestly one of the worst trades I ever heard. But he, he told me that in a startup draft, somebody gave him their fourth-round selection, their fifth-round selection, their sixth-round selection, plus, which that's already crazy, plus they also got a 2019 first and a 2019 second, all just for one 2020 first-round pick. Wow. Um, so, I mean, when you think about the player values that could be at those positions – uh, it's it's just kind of ridiculous, to be honest. So I'm not saying, you know, go and sell all your 2020s. No, it's a great draft class. Acquire them where you can. But don't don't be ridiculous. Don't don't overpay. Don't pay like you're already paying for a proven first round talent player. We don't know yet. Let's not get out of hand. No, I agree. And on a flip side, too, I've seen a lot of people in startups midway through the draft. I'll give you a 2020 first for this pick. So I've, I've noticed that people just, they'll throw those 2021st around, like, and what are you going to get, a wide receiver three? I think you could do a lot better in 2020 than, Yeah, know, so just, just be smart with what you do with these picks. I think, well, that's, it's draft panicking, yeah. I think is what that is. I need this guy, I need him, I need him. All right, I'll take your pick. Right. So I don't have anybody that I really liked here anyway. Right. Uh, but that kind of ties into our strategy session that we're having today. Did you ever hear any other podcast do a strategy session? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't. I don't know if I have or not. But then again, I don't listen as much as I used to. So the correct maybe, answer yeah. is no. Okay. Yeah, but that's probably just what I should have said. The only answer is quicker and shorter is we're doing it. <laughs> so, you know, building a team is is one thing you get to worry about. Um, some people go too crazy on certain positions. Maybe they overload a roster. But uh, how do you build a dynasty team? How do you build a super flex team? Um, maybe we will save Debbie's strategy for our guest next week. There you um, go. Redraft strategy. What do you think about tanking? Another thing that I'm big on is know your audience. Well, not audience in this case, but know the people in your draft room. Um, you know, Garrett's a Browns fan. I'm an Eagles fan. So maybe we'd have a little bit of more of an inclination to take certain players because we see them play every Sunday. Sure. So, Garrett, when you're building a dynasty team, let's say – 12-team, one quarterback, uh, half, no, regular PPR, one point, no premiums, no kicker premium, no tight end premium or sure. anything like that. And uh, did I say we're picking at the 1-6? We'll pick yeah. It. Okay, 1-6. So where are you going to start out with there? 
Okay. So regardless of, of the draft pick position, there is the, the first thing that I want to say is make sure that you're getting value out of each pick. Something I know that people do, and, and I do it as well, is when you get through about round seven, round eight, you want to look through and you want your starting lineup to look pretty. You want to have two good running backs, two good receivers, solid tight end, a good quarterback, blah, 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 blah. But what happens is, you know, you, you're going through and you're saying, okay, I need to make sure that I get, oh, I don't have a tight end yet. Okay, I'm going to, uh, I know it's only the fifth round, but most of the good ones are gone. I'm just going to jump up and draft David Njoku, you know, because you wanted to fill out your, your lineup. And the thing is, you need to always plan for value. Take the best available player regardless of position. And here's why you do that. Let's say in that same fifth round, you could have easily had Mike Williams. So the value overall of Mike Williams is much higher than David Njoku's is right now. I would agree. So you could easily then take Mike Williams and go trade for a much higher quality player, maybe even a tight end, than you could than just taking David Njoku there. So you always go with the best available player. And I know it's tough. You could be going in round four and say, well, Garrett, so far four receivers were the best value on the board in each spot. Good. Okay. Then take four receivers. I know it's tempting to want to make sure that your lineup looks pretty months before the games actually start, but that's why trading exists. So that way you can go through, make deals, and then get the best possible value overall at your, at your um, given positions for your team. So best available player. The one caveat I will say to that is at these onesie positions, specifically the quarterback, if you're at round you know, nine and you're like, oh my gosh, Jared Goff's still on the board, that's way too good a value. I gotta make sure that I get Jared Goff in the ninth round. Uh, well, if you already have two and three other quarterbacks, don't, don't do that. So there are exceptions to every rule, but specifically when looking at the running back and the wide receiver positions, if you load up and have a stupid amount of one of those two positions on your roster, you'll be okay. Trade for, trade for positional need later. I agree. You don't want to have that log jam of too many running backs, too many um, quarterbacks. Why, you know, sometimes I've seen teams that are so good, you don't know who to start, yeah. and you end up starting the wrong guy. Sure. So that's why you want to avoid the log jams too. So we're going to incorporate some listener questions into our strategy session here. And this is from, I found out the pronunciation here. Gary. There we go. It is Neil Mackekern. Okay, I hope I said that right because – but so his username on Twitter is NRM8821. Going into the year with this team, wondering if I should address my quarterback situation or roll with what I got. He also says that he has three 2021st and three 2022nds, and he's been listening since week one. So thank you, Neil. So let's see if we can help you out here. Uh, I was looking at his roster a little bit ago. He has a good roster here, actually. And it looks like his rookie draft has already transpired. But he's worried about his quarterbacks. He has Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton, and Sam Darnold. So he's got, I, I think at this point, we could say that Andy Dalton is nothing more than a fill-in. Sure. He's not going to be your quarterback one. Cousins is a respectable starter yep. right now. And I think Sam Darnold could be pretty special if given the chance. Uh, the rest of his roster is, uh, let's see, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Michael Thomas, Stephon Diggs, George Kittle, Josh Jacobs, Carrion Johnson, and Mason Crosby. So that's just his starting lineup. But he's got a pretty good starting lineup. Just going down through, 
Uh, let's see. You know, your basic bench guys here. I see Kumro from the, the Packers. He's trending up right now. Deshaun Hamilton, I like him. Sterling Shepard, Anthony Miller. You might want to see if you could trade John Rossway. Uh, he does have Chris Herndon, too, and Evan Ingram and Matt Lacoste. So uh, he's got um, good pieces. He's got, I mean, this, I don't know what the rest of the league looks like, but this looks like it could be a contending team right Absolutely. here. Absolutely. I could be honest with you. So um, my thought is, I think you're okay at quarterback, personally. If you can add to it, get some good return on a stud, maybe try to do it. But I think, Garrett, I think he could win with what he's got. Yeah, I mean, I think you can easily roll with Kirk Cousins. Um, He's a very serviceable quarterback. He's not going to win you a lot of weeks necessarily, uh, but he's not going to kill your team either. And so I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, on the season, he's going to be somewhere between – eight and 14 somewhere in that ballpark uh is going to be very respectable if you're able to upgrade cool uh but don't sacrifice anything of value on your team to do that if you want to say hey kirk cousins plus a 2022 will net me aaron Rodgers," okay cool you know that's that's fine go ahead and roll with that yeah but but don't give up anything that's going to uh, actually make any real impact on your team to do so so if i'm you i'm probably just rolling with kirk yeah, I would stick with what you got. You can, and I'd say in a couple of years, you could probably smoothly transition right from Cousins to Darnold. At some point, you'll want to think about getting another younger quarterback, though. Uh, Cousins, he's getting a little older. Andy Dalton might not be in the league much longer. So if uh, Cousins goes, you know, retires maybe in a couple of years, Darnold will still be there, but you will need a backup. So don't worry, in the next couple of years, you'll have plenty of opportunities. Garrett, I have an interesting question for you, and this right. is a debated topic right now. Okay. Handcuffing players. So are you just talking in general, like, do I like to do it? Do I not like to do it? So I just want to know your thoughts on it. Here's my deal. If I have an injury-prone guy, like, I think right now Alexander Madison's a great handcuff to own. Yep. Um, but I have another strategy. I steal other people's handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, right now, I would look to draft Damian Harris. Sony Michelle goes down, you sure. could sell Damian Harris at a premium yeah. to the Sony Michelle owner. So take the two aspects of the handcuff and tell me what you think. Do you want to, again, do you want to log jam your roster on a guy that you might never play? Right. Or do you want to use it as a strategy to maybe weaken your opponents in a way? So, so we're speaking specifically to Dynasty. Um, it's... I think you need to go by situation by situation basis. So let's take, for example, the um, I'm trying to think of what a good example would be. But in general, Gurley and Henderson might be a good one right now. Yeah, Henderson could be a very good one, depending on what you have to pay for him. True. Um, But the thing is, you need to make sure, first of all, that you're handcuffing players that are in good offenses, not just behind a good running back. Because if it's not a good system for a player, chances are that backup isn't going to do all of that all that much in that system. True. Um, so make sure that it's not just a uh, oh, it's a talented running back. I need to get his backup. Make sure it's on a team that has successful systems that will still make that backup relevant. Because sometimes you'll throw out a team's backup 
and they get nothing because it was mostly on the talented player in front of them. It wasn't based on the system as much. So it, it depends on the situation um, that you're looking at. But yeah, especially with my more injury prone players, um, I like to do that. Um, or if I'm on a team where it's, you know, an incredibly valuable piece and blah, blah, blah. So I have no, no problem doing that. But yeah, I, I have no issue bat- rostering some of other teams handcuffs as well and and either you know trading them later or just utilizing them on my own team so anytime that there is a a decent chance of relevance for a player it's probably a decent player to own on your roster and and we're talking in most dynasty leagues you're looking at at least 25 roster spots in a lot of these dynasty leagues so you know your 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 chances are most of the backups on teams are going to be rostered as well so for me, handcuffing, if I have the space, I'll do it. Like you said, I'm not going to take a guy just because he's a handcuff. For example, last year, if you took Gurley's handcuff, maybe you took uh, John Kelly. Yeah, John Kelly was the big name to start the season. Right, but then it was Malcolm Brown until he got hurt. Yep. So, again, cautiously. And sometimes you don't know. I, I think we know in Jacksonville, Ryquell Armstead, if you get him. Yeah. You know he's Leonard's backup. Should be, but I mean, they even got Alfred Blue, so it's even hard to say. That guy just doesn't go away. He really doesn't. He's like a cockroach. (laughs) Um, All right, so here's a good one. And this one, someone said on Twitter, it kind of irritated me. I think we spoke about this the other night. When should you do a rookie draft? So... People have stronger feelings on this than I expected. So did I. I thought... Maybe it shouldn't matter so much. Yeah, people are very passionate about when they have their rookie drafts. It, some people, they want to do it when the NFL draft ends. They want the 1-1 pick to be going in in their rookie draft. Which, yeah. for me, I need a little bit of time because I need to go through everything. And sorry, I was hanging out with my daughter during round six of the NFL draft, so I didn't catch everything. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I mean, overall... If you are somebody that's paying attention, chances are if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably somebody that's paying pretty good attention. And you're very, very smart. Right. If well, you're listening yeah, to obviously. Us. I mean, <laughs> no, duh. Uh, yeah, but if, if you're paying attention, you want to have the, your draft sooner rather than later because it just gives you extra opportunity to make sure that you have a leg up on your competition because for the most part, you know, a, a, a month even a couple weeks, a couple days after the draft, most players in in most home leagues are not well-versed enough to know anything past the two rounds, first two rounds. Agreed. So, you know, a lot, especially the value in the second and the third round can really, really be had if you do your draft early. Now, if you're a much more casual fan, it might be more beneficial for you to try to push your, your draft as late as possible so you can have as much time as you need to slowly gain all the information that you want to gain. So it kind of depends on where you're at. I have no issue with either. I have some leagues that draft in, uh, you know, literally during draft weekend. Um, so sometimes the draft isn't even over and we're already starting. Really? Yeah. That's no, a little crazy. Yeah. It's a little absurd. Um, and then there's other leagues that are like, we're waiting till like week three of the preseason before we do our draft. So it just depends on what league I'd, I have no issue with it either way. But if you're informed, you probably want it sooner rather than later. See, I'm fine either way as well. Um, with the people that I'm in the leagues in that are in the industry, so to speak, like you and some of the other nerd writers and then some other people as well, that's usually earlier. And that's mm-hmm. fine because we've been talking about these guys for the last four months anyway. Right. But in my main league that was started before mm-hmm. I did any of this stuff, 
it is, you know, August. It's the weekend before Labor Day, that Saturday at one o'clock every year. There you go. So, but that's good because then some of the guys are more casual. They have all summer to do whatever it is that they do. So yep. um, it, it could go either way. So another thing that I'm big on too is, well, I'm not big on it, but I want to know Garrett's thoughts on it. What do you think about tanking? Personally, I, I want to try to win every week. Sure. If, I, if I'm going to lose, it's going to be because I screwed up that roster so bad and I'm just going to take it like a man. But what are your thoughts on tanking? So there's a, there's a few different layers to this question. Um, like an onion. Like an onion, <laughs> like a good cake, like a – no. Um, I just like food. But there's a few different things to think about when you're talking about tanking. Um, Ryan McDowell has uh, been a big um, – I don't know what the right word would be, but he, he's been big into this concept of the productive struggle. And so sometimes he will even, on the onset of a draft, he will already trade assets and things like that to load, 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 load up on young players and uh, a stupid amount of draft picks. And he's a smart dude and he's been very successful. And so there are, there are ways to do that. Um, there are people that do that. And I have... I have no issue with it. Um, then there's also the situations where you look at your team and you're like, I have a couple older players um, and I have nothing else and that's it. So I'm ch- chances are I'm probably not making the playoffs this year. And on top of that, the future doesn't look super bright. Um, if that's you, I'm not a big fan of playing the middle ground. So I probably will in that situation trade my top players for – young picks, knowing that I'm probably going to take an L just about every week for the rest of the season. Now, where I'm not okay with is I'm not going to put anybody in my lineup. I'm going to yeah. just let roster spots sit vacant or intentionally start injured players or and and lose and win that or lose that way. That's what I'm not okay with. I had a team my my oldest league that I've been in uh I think this will be season 7, 6, 7, 8. I don't know, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, and my team had been a good team for a while, um, made the playoffs every single season. I had never missed the playoffs before in this league, been to the championship twice, had a heartbreaker in both losses. Uh, that's a long story. Um, but all that being said, it was a really good team, but I was looking at my roster and I was like, I think best case scenario, this team's probably going to be third place this season. I, I don't love my squad. A lot of the guys are aging. You know, I had Rob Gronkowski, I had Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, I had, I had names like that all throughout my roster. And so I was like, you know what? I would much rather, you know, make some deals, blow things up. And that's what I did. I made a bunch of trades, blew things up. Um, and one season later, it already looks like I'm going to be able to be a contender this year because of some of the moves that I made. But even when I was tanking, I started my best possible lineup each and every week. That's good. So you were still an active owner. Yes. And so what, what is it called? The, the productive struggle. The productive, I like that. I think it's better than tanking. Yeah. Sounds a little more politically correct, which sure. is fine. Um, but I hate tanking. Uh, the productive struggle, I'm fine with. That's what I actually did in my main league last year. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to make the playoffs, had a lot of injuries. So I just unloaded older veterans. Yeah. And I got picks. I got some good young guys. I mean, in that time, I've acquired... Um, Chris Herndon, Mike Williams, Dante Pettis, Curtis Samuel. Yeah. So I'm trying to load up on guys that I think could probably get me into at least the playoffs this year, 
but it sounds like I'll have a good roster for a long time. I think my oldest offensive player is 26. Yeah, that's so, where you want to be at. Yeah. I, my oldest – it's however old Carson Wentz is. He's my oldest. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And quarterbacks, they get an extra five years on their shelf life easy exactly. compared to the rest of the positions. Exactly. So we're going to look at another roster. And I'll tell you what, let's look at Superfan Tyler's roster. Yeah, did we, Tyler. Did we say Superfan or number one fan? What do we say about we, Tyler? Official fan. Official fan. Official fan. Yeah, I should know that. I'm friends with the guy. <laughs> and, and I forget it. So back to the farm. That is a Tyler saying. Is it back to the farm or back on the farm? I can't remember. But he wants us to look at his roster and just right. see what we think of it. Um, I've, I hate playing against Tyler because he has a good roster. He's got Aaron Rodgers, Melvin Gordon, Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham Jr., Devontae Adams, Jordan Reed, Amari Cooper, Derrick Henry, Matt Prater. He's got Joey Bosa. He's got Tremaine Edmonds from Buffalo, Jamal Adams, Derwin James, and Leighton Vander Esch. Wow. Those are his starters. So he's got good starters. And then on his bench, I'm just going to point out some guys that are, um, you know, just some bigger names on the bench. He has Kenyon Drake. Uh, I guess Sammy Watkins could be a bigger name, maybe if he was better. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Graham, who I've been telling him to get rid of for years because he sucks. Get rid of him. Uh, on injured reserve, he actually has a really good injured reserve too. Jimmy Garoppolo, Hunter Henry, I think you can cut Des Bryant, Tyler. Uh, he has Ruben Foster on there. He's going to have to stay on an injured reserve. And on his taxi squad, he has Mike Gusecki and Deion Kane. Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of talented players on his team. So so what's his – what's official or what's number one fan, official fan of the show? Tyler, what is his question? Well, he didn't have a question per se. He just wanted us to look at his roster. Maybe he's gloating. I don't okay. know. Um, see what we think about it. So for me, the only thing that I could think of is – I would try to get a little younger at quarterback, maybe next year in the 2020 draft, because you have Jimmy Garoppolo, and he has Aaron Rodgers. Who, who are his tight ends again? His tight ends, his starting Jordan tight end, Reed. Jordan Reed, and he has Gasecki on taxi. Okay, and then so, Jimmy Graham. And Jimmy Graham. So he could use a little bit of an upgrade at tight end probably, mm -hmm. and I would personally sell Derrick Henry, just because I think right now – you could probably get the most return for him. Sure. I'm not telling you to trade him to me because I don't want him. Um, but those are the things that I would do personally. Aside from that, I mean, he's got Saquon. He's got Melvin Gordon. He's got Odell Beckham, Devontae Adams. Yeah, he's got, he's a, got a really, really, good, really team. good core of players. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out one more name as a potential sell now candidate. Okay. Um, I don't know that I would quite say sell high. Um, but a guy that I'm probably selling is actually Melvin Gordon. Really? Yeah, I'm selling that Melvin Gordon. Um, not because I don't believe in the player, but there have been things coming out that, you know, saying they, they do want to limit his touch load a little bit this season. Okay. Uh, he also is his contracts up soon. And so there's also a possibility that maybe they don't re-sign him. Um, True. He's not been the picture of health injury-wise. Um, he's been banged up quite a bit. And I think the name value still has him as a first round pick in redraft leagues. And so I think if if you he's probably more of a second round pick in, in Dynasty. But if you're able to get um like say on this specific team, if you're able to get an elite tight end, well you wait, you said he has uh, Hunter Henry too, didn't he? Yeah, he's on his so right now we could he's still, injured reserve. We didn't do our rookie draft yet. So we could still have guys you on the even that. Reserve. So yeah. So I mean I would look to you know, and you don't need to necessarily target a specific possession uh, position because your team's looking pretty good. Uh, but he's he's a name I would float out there and just see what people 
how much people are willing to pay for him because I think you could probably still get, you know, top 10 running back value in dynasty leagues. And I'm not sure that after this year that he is a top 10 running back anymore. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point. Um, it's I just will... selling before things break down. So the only thing is we could tell Tyler whatever we want. He is the most stubborn trader. Really? If you would look at our draft board, and then the great thing about Sleeper is it shows all the updated. Yeah. So he's the, there's two people in the league. They're the only two people that have all their picks. They haven't traded anything. And so Tyler's he, one of them. He is one of them, yeah. So, but he, he's doing something right. He's always consistently in the playoffs and always consistently in championship contention. He's not just sneaking into the playoffs. Sure. Um, except the first year in the league, he just had horrible, horrible luck with injuries sure. our first season. But he still, he didn't tank. He still tried every single week, and he did end up getting Saquon Barkley. There so, you go. It's a good um, season. Yeah, he's got, he's got a good team. So, hey, speaking of, uh, I know you said that Mel Gordon – was still a first-round draft pick and redraft. What kind of redraft strategy you got? For me, so this is the one time I go, uh, so here's my redraft strategy in case okay. you're wondering. Running back, wide receiver, quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, and then I fill out the rest of my roster. So you're doing that regardless. It's every single time. I can't do that. Unless, I'm, unless I have a late pick, then I flip wide receiver and running back first. Okay. So, like, if all your stud running backs are gone. So you're taking quarterback in the third? Yeah. Because I always make sure I fill out my rosters. See, I hate doing that. That's my redraft strategy. I know it sounds weird, but it has worked for me. I have won championships in okay. redraft. So okay. um, that's the one thing I'm kind of stubborn on. Now, like I said, I will flip-flop the wide receiver and the running back. Like, right. If for some reason I get the 1-8 and, a, like, a stud wide out is available, like, I actually drafted DeAndre Hopkins at 1-7 once in a redraft league. Wow. It was a very casual redraft league. Yeah. I did win that league. There you so, go. Uh, that's just my particular strategy. It, it has worked in the past. Maybe I'll alter it this year and try sure. something a little bit different. What's your redraft strategy? I know you are a huge redraft fan. Yeah. Uh, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I uh, I'm I was fortunate enough to get in the Scott Fish Bowl this year, so I'll have that redraft. So later. hey, everybody, we should tweet at Garrett. It's at Dynasty Price. Wish him well in the Scott Fish Bowl. Did you get the shirt, by the way? I did get a shirt. That shirt is awesome. I got the second one. Yep. Oh, you know, I was thinking about it, even though I'm not in the Scott Fish Do Bowl, it. I might order one anyway. Do it. Yeah, right. it still goes to a great cause. Now, so here, just so you know, I'm gonna say to my wife, I'll be on the computer. What are you doing, honey? I'm ordering this T-shirt. You don't need another T-shirt. <laughs> And you then she goes always out, need another T-shirt. Then she goes out and spends $80 at Carter's for a little girl that's going to outgrow everything in two months. Exactly. <laughs> yep. You always need it. You can never have too many T-shirts. Hypocrisy at its finest. I know, right? Household. Uh, so uh, for redraft, the big thing for me is I have to remind myself, because I don't do a lot of redraft leagues. Um, I have to remind myself and train my brain to say age doesn't matter. Win now. Win now because there is no next year. Right. Um, and so I have to almost – and so if you've been playing Dynasty a long time, it could easily fall into the trap of, well, oh, I don't want to take Julio Jones. No, take Julio Jones. I know he's older, 
but he's gonna he's gonna have an awesome season. Don't avoid Julio Jones just because exactly. he's an older wide receiver. You know, it's that type of stuff that you you need to remind yourself of the settings that you're playing. So whether it's redraft, whether it's dynasty, whether it's super flex, whether it's tight end premium, whether it's a Debbie league, you need to be constantly reminding yourself what is the format, what is the scoring, yep. and how do all of these things work together. So your draft strategy should not be the same. Um, in, in every single league. So, um, but as far as overall philosophy, I'm still a big take the best player available guy. Um, I, it's just hard for me to lock myself into any one position at any specific time. So I, I know that sounds really, really generic. And I apologize for, for fans that were hoping for this like philosophical, like, no, it's still just take the best guy, and that'll give you the best chance to have the best roster. I I agree. Maybe I, I think I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna try. So here's what I'm gonna do. I do two redraft leagues every year. Okay. And that's pretty much it. Um, you should try a different strategy in each. Well, that's what I'm gonna do. One <laughs> league, I'm gonna do my normal strategy, and then the other league, I'm gonna try your strategy. Okay. See how it works out. Yeah. And then I'll let you know at the end of the year. Okay. Obviously. Sounds good. I'll probably forget about this. Probably. We probably won't. By remember. the time I walk out the door. Maybe I'm, somebody I'm will remember and remind us to talk about it. Yeah, Tyler, remind me then. Since one of the leagues that I'm in is his league. There you go. Yeah, and the, he is the official fan. He is the official fan. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So the official fan. I love that. Um, okay, one last strategy thing. I'm new to this one. We're not gonna talk Debbie today. We're gonna save that. Okay. How do you build a super flex team? Because now we're talking when in a redraft league, taking a quarterback in the third round was crazy. Yep. Now waiting until the third round to take a quarterback is crazy. Yeah. So the the most difficult part that I have seen about these super flex leagues, um, and I'm in quite a few of them, and I really genuinely enjoy them. I am. I might even be at the point where I prefer super flex leagues over one quarterback leagues. Really? Yeah. I'm really enjoying just because it balances out the, the power between the positions. Okay. And so I think that's why I'm enjoying it a little bit more uh, than I, than I thought I would. That being said, the quarterback position is so different depending on which super flex draft you're in. I have seen super flex drafts where in the first three rounds, you have like 16, 17 quarterbacks off the board in the first three rounds. Yeah, I've seen I've, that too. I've seen other ones where you have like six or seven. So there's not as much of a formulaic uh, consistency to super flex leagues uh, as there are some of these other leagues. But at minimum, unless it's like a stupid huge league, I want to make sure that I have at least three quarterbacks that I could feel good about starting at any time. So usually I like to get one in the first two or three rounds if I can. I don't. I still don't want to reach at the position. Um, there are times in this where you'll have to for a quarterback, but I'm still trying to make sure that I'm getting value everywhere I can. Um, but uh, you know, so let's say hypothetically in the first two rounds you you nab my boy Baker Mayfield in one of those first couple rounds. Then, then you come back around in the fifth and you take Jared Goff. Uh, and then you have a good, you got a good tandem right yeah, there. You got a, you got a really but you good tandem. You still need one more. You still need one more. And so I'm really looking to target guys that, you know, it might be, you know, they, they might not have as much value, but they're at least going to be a good bye week filler for me for this season. Right. And then I'll draft the rookie behind them. Of course. So Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, uh, Eli Manning, and uh, Daniel Jones. 
Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, you know, that type of situation. Or I'll do a guy that has the potential to uh, even even step up a little bit. So maybe it's a Derek Carr, maybe hoping for a bounce back. Uh, I think Derek he has Carr. one this year. What's that? You think I, he has one? He, how could you not? They, as long they as definitely put him in the position to do it. As long as he stays healthy. Yep. Which I know he had that back injury, but I think I think he got hit pretty good or something like that. Yeah, so yeah he had some fractures. And yeah, I mean, it's I'm tough not to play lie. with. If a football player ran at me, I'd probably just start crying. Yeah. <laughs> if I could be honest. Yep. So, so I mean, he's, an, he's another good candidate. I found myself getting a lot of Phillip Rivers, maybe a tad bit earlier. And then I'm drafting, uh, what's his name? Uh, Stick. I think that's their backup. Yes. Whoever it is, Easton Stick. Um, whoever that is. But, you know, some of those types of players as, as my third quarterback where I can. I like that. And one other thing that I do too, um, if you make a list of your draft prospects, make sure you write down the bye week that they have <laughs> so that you're not draft. And this is especially important in redraft too. Yeah. So that you're not drafting five guys with a week eight bye yep. because then you are screwed. Yep. And I've seen a lot of cases like that. People aren't mindful of the bye weeks. And they've actually had to drop some pretty good players to fill out a roster. Yep. So, yeah. um, okay. One last, one last thing oh um, that I want to talk about with some of your, some of your startups uh, and some of your strategies and some of this. Uh, one of the things that I'm actually a big fan of in startup drafts is I love – now, you got to make sure the value is there. But I love trading down. Specifically in a round where I don't see anything that I like, I'll trade out of that round completely and build up a couple uh, rounds afterward, grab a couple picks in those rounds. This is the best year to trade down too. Yeah. I feel because the the tiers are so close and the value is so close this year that, I mean, there's obviously a difference between 1-1 one, one and 1-7. One, sure. But do you see a huge difference between 1-5 and 1-8? No, no, Where, not at as all. in 2020, I mean, everyone's going to pretty much be a stud, but I think there's going to be some more definition in the tiers next year. Well, I definitely agree, especially in the rookies. Uh, I definitely agree with that, but I'm even willing to do this in, in a startup. Like, I'm willing to trade down it even in my startups, but I definitely agree in the rookie drafts. After those top four, from the fifth pick through about like the 14th, 15th pick are all pretty dang close in the rookie class. So I 100% agree with that. But I'm even talking in startup drafts. Um, you know, there are times that I'll completely trade out of the first round even, and I'll nab a second round, a third round, a fifth round, a ninth round, and I'll grab all of these players. Um, and, and so you have to, a lot of times, what I like to do, because I get this question a lot, when trading within your startup draft, how do I know if I'm getting a good deal or not? You know, it's hard for me to know if, you know, the four, six, and seventh is good for the second round pick. I don't really know. What I like to do is I like to put players that that will be there roughly at that ADP. You don't right. know exactly if that specific player will be there, but put names to those picks. That'll give you a much better idea of higher getting value. So guys love to trade up into the first round, try to nab two stud running backs or a stud running back and stud receiver. And a lot of times I'll let them do that because I'm getting way more value out of getting their second round, third round, fifth round and ninth round pick out of it or whatever it ends up being. I end up getting a lot of value out of that. And so put names, specific names to those players, even if those aren't the players that end up going there, it gives you a good idea of the rough value of where those picks end up being. Do you ever trade up? 
in a draft? There have been times where I've traded up. I don't do it nearly as often as I trade so, down. Okay, so you you are all about the value then. Yep. Okay. I like to manipulate the draft to try to get in or out of tiers of players so that way I can can get the players that I like. So you'll never value. really reach for a player then? Almost never. Every once in a while, if it's a guy that I just really, really love, and I know, like, if it, if you're drafting right ahead of me, <laughs> which has happened more often than I'd like, yeah. and I know that you're about to take J-Jaw, I might hop up like two picks in front of you to make sure I get him. Um, but for the and most part, then I will part, take Alexander Madison. Yeah, you would. So I'll draft up twice. I guess my trade offer still stands, by the way. I'm sure it does. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So I'm all about value, and that's that's how I like to try to manipulate the drafts. It's all about value. Value can definitely bring big gains to your team. I'm just going to throw out a little IDP strategy. Um, in startups, we're talking late. You know, pretty pretty late. I probably wouldn't start drafting IDPs until maybe the 12th round-ish. Gary, you don't do any IDP, right? I have three, two, three, two or three IDP leagues. Okay. So I do a little bit, but I a lot of times when people ask me IDP questions, I pass them on to you and John. <laughs> yes, you uh, do, which is, well, that's fine by well, me. Well, I don't want to talk out of my butt. And because I see guys do that sometimes and they're like, oh, let me tell you about it. And they really have no clue what they're talking about. And so if it's something that I feel that I have a, a unique perspective or expertise to be able to bring to the table I'll do it but a lot of times I play in IDP leagues but I'm asking people that are smarter than me hey how do you value this player versus this player so a good strategy for IDP linebackers specifically strong side and we uh, and middle linebackers and safeties are going to give you they're going to give you the best value and a lot of people are going to get caught up with flashy cornerback numbers with interceptions but look at the consistency they're really big spotty games. You're going to have a week with 10 points and then a week with maybe zero because nobody's throwing at them. Safeties are in the middle of the field. They're on the field every single play. They don't get stuck with one person. Same thing with linebackers. So that is my IDP strategy. Um, so, you know, I actually, I was having, I don't want to say a dispute with somebody, but just a discussion. Believe it or not, it was about the Dallas Cowboys. And no, it was not about how much I despise them. <laughs> They have a bunch of guys coming up for contract extensions. They're not going to be able to resign all three. Those guys are Rain, you may know him as Dak, Amari Cooper, and Ezekiel Elliott. So I think that now, this is my buddy Slack. I think I've told you, mentioned him before. He thinks that they're going to resign Dak and Zeke and let Cooper walk. I think we could all agree that Dak's going to get re-signed. Probably so. You, you usually always re-sign the quarterback. And I think that Jerry's a big Dak guy. I think they re-sign Cooper and they let Zeke walk. Because that offensive line is so good. Darren McFadden ran for 1,000 yards. Yeah. And, as you know, running back, as, while it's valuable to have a stud running back, it is a very replaceable position. It is. Yep. So in who, real NFL, it's very easy to do. Who do you think they resign? If I if I'm having to choose, I would guess that they're going to resign Cooper, um, and they would let Zeke walk because you're going to have the longevity from that position. Exactly. And that being said, though, I'm going to take a contrarian viewpoint. Okay. I think they figure out a way to keep them all. Do you think that they have the capability in the finance? I don't know if they can afford all three. I don't think at this time they can. Uh, what I have learned to not do is underestimate the creative money management skills of NFL front offices. This is true. So I think that now 
Do I think that's the wisest decision? I do not. But I think Jerry, when when the Cowboys were the most successful, was when they had a, their stud quarterback, Troy Aikman. Yep. They had their stud running back, Emmett Smith, and their stud wide receiver in Michael Irvin. I think he wants that back. I think you're right. And so I think he's going to find a way to try to keep all three. But if I but if I'm having to choose, I think Zeke would be the one to walk. Yeah, I would I would think so too. Just because I mean, so this is his fourth year in the league, I believe. He's he's taken we're talking four years of being an elite starting running back yep. in the NFL. It takes a toll. And you know that they're gonna have to pay him very well. He's not gonna take a home team you know, hometown discount. No. Definitely not. Hey, maybe he'll come home. What would you think if he wanted to play for the Browns? I love Zeke. I'd be stoked, but we already we already have two running backs. I don't know about I don't know about a third. Now I'm assuming Kareem Hunt would be gone next year. I think he will be. I think they'll trade him. Yeah. So that being said, um as much as he's an Ohio State guy, I love Zeke. Um I I I can't justify spending the money on a on a running back. Even Chubb, as much as I love Chubb We'll see what he wants when his time's due. Now, he, this is only his rookie season. We got time. Right. Um, but we're also going to be having to pay Miles Garrett. We're going to be having to pay Baker Mayfield. We're going to be having to pay, um, you know, all these guys. And so Baker is going to get paid. Baker's going to get a lot of money. He definitely I mean, and he deserves it. And yeah, he's one of the best players, and he's one of the most popular faces in the NFL. And he's putting butts in the seats. Yep, absolutely. So, so yeah, so I mean, just from a real life football standpoint, it's tough to justify spending a lot on a running back. Garrett, do you have any other strategy? Or that was all our listener questions. There was only two. Yeah. So I mean, you guys are killing us with all these questions here. Oh, it's overwhelming. Uh, all <laughs> of our have- millions of fans. Uh, no, I think uh, I think we hit on everything. I wanted to make sure I got that thing in there about trading, um, and 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 looking for value there. But um, but yeah, that was that was the biggest. And feel free to always reach out on Twitter if you have specific questions. We're more than happy uh, to try to help where we can. Uh, if we don't get to you, it's it's nothing intentional. Uh, tweet at us again. We'll probably see it the next time around. I would agree. And you can find Garrett. Where can we find you? Uh, at Dynasty Price. And I'm at VMBauer85. Follow the show at Dynasty Rewind. And don't forget about Chevin, who is mysteriously absent today. You can find him at Chev Boyardee with boy spelled B-O-I. So for the rewind of the week... It would probably help if I went to the correct page here. Uh, this one was... Uh, I, I love history and i love old nfl history so the first points scored in super bowl one won a 37 yard touchdown pass in the first quarter from bart star to max mcgee so the funny thing about this is max mcgee was not the starter for for the game originally but boyd Daller was supposed to start and he got injured he got scratched so in comes max mcgee and he ended up scoring the first points in super bowl history there you go so very interesting way to be clutch max so garrett if you could lead us with the verse of the week please yes our dynasty rewind verse of the week um is coming at us from john chapter one i'm gonna read two verses here it's verses 14 and 17 uh starting in verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as the only son from the father full of grace and truth and then verses 17 for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, in both those verses, it talks about Jesus being full of grace and full of truth. And those two things are hard to have at the same time. Usually, you're either very truthful and honest, blunt truth, let me tell you how it is, um, or you're full of grace and you let people slide and you give people second chances. I and- am not very graceful then. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Jesus was the perfect example of being able to do both. And I think if we can strive to be full of truth, be honest in every situation, even if it's inconvenient, um, but also be able to deliver that truth in a way that's full of grace, I think we will be much more pleasant people to be around and we'll be a lot more like who Jesus was. I love it. Th- Garrett, thank you, like always. And it was so great to finally meet you in person. We got to do this again sometime. Absolutely, 100%. We don't you, live that far apart. Philly and Canton are what? Five well, hours? Six well, I hours? Live, I live a little bit north of Philadelphia, so okay. I'm about an hour and a half north, but I think I Googled Canton from my house, and it's roughly around seven hours. Okay, so that's not terrible. It's not too bad. Yeah. Could be, we could always meet halfway sometime, too. Can you meet me halfway? I don't know what that is. That was, was that Black Eyed Peas song from like back in like, this was when I was in like college. So definitely the rewind song of the day. <laughs> so Garrett, again, it was great meeting you. Thanks for doing the podcast with me live and in person. Stay tuned on Twitter. We have a great guest coming up next week. We are going to be recording on our normal day, Friday. Things were a little screwed up this weekend. Again, if you want to hear me on the Back Row Fantasy Show talking some sleepers and IDP, definitely check them out. Great guys, great friends of ours. They really helped getting the Dynasty Rewind going. So thanks to all the guys over there. Garrett, thanks again for meeting up with me finally. Absolutely, man. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Bye for now.